Now, the first thing I need to mention is my notes. I always make my notes available so you can follow along as I preach. I always mention everything in my notes. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But they're available no longer on version as we have for several years. We have a new service we're using, and all you need to do is go to VictoryChurchRaleigh.com, our website, on your phone, your device, whatever, and right when you see the first page come up, you'll see today's notes. Click on that, and there's my notes, and you can follow me. And there's a fill-in-the-blank section, so what I underline on the notes, it's, it's blank, or you can click and say, uh, have the blanks filled in. So either one. Nonetheless, you can follow along. I've been doing a series on prayer, really, since the first of the year. This is, uh, this is actually lesson number eight uh, during my Christmas. I tried to take a couple of weeks off so I can be with, I got five grandkids and four kids, and they're all mar- all my kids are married. We just have a boatload of fun. But I was waiting on God, and he said, you know, I want you to start the year talking about prayer because... To navigate the future as each believer should, they'll have to, they, they need to learn how to get a hold of me and be close to me. So I'm talking about prayer. I'm doing it line upon line, little bit by little bit. So we're in lesson number eight. And today, uh, lesson number eight, I had it all planned. And the Lord changed my message. So this is all hot off the press here. Uh, I, 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 want to, uh, I, I want to challenge some things here. I'm going to take a side excursion. And talk about standing in faith and how to pray for personal healing because we got this coronavirus thing that everybody talking about. Have you noticed? And and people are being crazy about it. Can you show that crazy dog? Yeah, there you go. People are doing that. Look at that. Yeah. I mean, you get the idea. They're crazy, right? I saw that yesterday. It's a hoot, right? But, you know, people just going bonkers about this thing. The coronavirus, COVID-19, better look out. Now, if, you, if, if you cough, they're like, what's wrong with you? You need to get away from me, you know. And, and people are staying at home. I know some industries, in fact, where my daughter works, she's at home for two weeks uh, because uh, some of the executives caught the virus up in uh, Massachusetts. I get that. I understand that. So I'm a real practical person. I believe in washing my hands. I don't pick my nose. I don't put my fingers in my eyes. And I've been all over the world in missions trips. And I tell people to go with me, uh, sanitize well, because there's boogers and critters that you can't see that will hurt you real bad or make you, or make you feel like you're about to die and make you about want to. So just don't be stupid. And so, you know, just use natural, normal hygiene. But believe God. But there's, you know, this thing's going way, way out of kilter. Would you agree? And I think that dog just about said it all. So, you know, my, my priority as a pastor is really to minister to the spiritual needs of the people that come to Victory Church. And, and uh, so, you know, when things, uh, things affect us as a culture, I, I think I should address it. So this really will be lesson number eight on prayer because I'm going to talk about prayer. Just taking a little side journey to deal with some of these fears that people are dealing with. So I want to deal and I want to address the fear and the apprehension that's everywhere and give you some encouragement uh, that God will protect you regardless of what comes and heal you. Now, you know, this is not the, the first time this kind of thing has happened. We've had all kinds of worldwide pandemics, epidemics, uh, whatever, years past. I've traveled during, for instance, back in the early 2000s, I was, I was traveling in India, Africa, uh, Africa. You got SARS, you got people with masks on, and, you know, so, you know, these kind of things. Uh, you know, if you don't know the Lord... You're, 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 at your, you're just trying to figure out how to navigate through whatever's coming, right? And so it's normal and natural for anybody worldwide. If you don't know the Lord, you're just looking for a viable answer to keep you, you safe and your family safe. But fears come. And see, if you know God, one thing I found about the Lord, I met him just before I was 18, that he assuages and calms fear. 
I had a lot of fear that ruled me in my younger years. And, and I've learned that you don't have to have a spirit of fear. How many hear me? In fact, fear and faith are, are quite opposite. And, and fear, fear, will, uh, fear will attract the demonic realm and all kinds of weird thoughts and behaviors, just like faith attracts God, fear. So, in fact, the book of Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says, The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord will be safe. In fact, you read the book of Job. Happened in about a year in Job's life. It's the oldest book in the Bible. And, and you know, Job was challenged. He lost his family. He lost his uh, goods, uh, his land, his wealth. The wealth was in his animals and his crops. Uh, his, uh, he had challenges with his wife, with his own physical uh, health. And, but there's a key to the book of Job in Job 3.25. Job said, that which I was uh, uh, deeply feared, greatly feared, has come upon me. And that which I greatly feared has happened to me. So, you know, one thing about fear is you got to resist it. Now, 2 Timothy 1.7 in the New Testament says, God's not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. So God has not given us a spirit. When I read that word spirit attached to fear, I said, well, I'm a, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, treat fear like I would a demonic spirit that would try to confront me. Now, I've traveled in a number of nations in the world. Some nations, they have more demonic things than America does. And I've had those things come in my room. And I can tell you, they, they try to uh, create fear thoughts. And I've had to stand my ground, get out of my bed, say, leave my room in the name of Jesus. Because I go somewhere where the gospel heretofore has not been treated strongly. And when you know the name of Jesus and the power of the blood, they don't like you. And I have to run them out. And I can tell you they create fear thoughts. And in your own life, you'll have days that it seems like you're afraid. Or, or maybe you, have a, you ever had a panic attack or something like that. Well, well some of that is, uh, is chemical-based in a human body. Other times, it's a spiritual attack. And you need to resist those things. So anytime fear comes to me, fear is a spirit. And I say, I refuse that. I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to be, go by what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling right now. That is not true. And I say what God says about me. How many hear me? And that's what we do with this virus thing here now. That's one of the ways that you counteract that as a believer. You know, we live in a fallen world. And we have the same, Christians have the same kind of problems that uh, non-Christian folk have. Jesus said in the world you'll have tough times, pressure, hardship, difficulty. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So, you know, Jesus even acknowledged that, you know, in this life we're going to have challenges because of the kind of world we live in. But he's the answer. Here's the, challenge. Here's the issue. You know, we, we confront the same things that our, our unchurched, unsaved friends uh, confront. But the issue is we have a different set of answers. How many hear me? And that makes a lot of difference. I'm and you can be a great encouragement to others. So I want to share some things just about how to deal with this coronavirus thing and how to deal with it, how to encourage other people. Don't belittle other people if they have fear because that's a, that's a legitimate thing based on what they're hearing and what they're seeing and all the articles. I've got news apps on my iPad and such. And there's just all kinds of article after article after article. It seems like it's dominating the news now. You turn the news on, you know, anytime during the day on whatever way you look at it and it's just crazy so I got five things I want to talk about that will combat this and help encourage you in God and encourage you in faith number one is that health and healing are part of our redemption in Christ everybody say it out loud health and healing are part of our redemption in Christ now now what does what do I mean by that I mean 
What I mean by that is the same faith that gets you saved, the same sacrifice that Jesus provided for us on the cross of Calvary that brought salvation uh, to us and made it available to humanity, that same sacrifice also brought the ability for our physical bodies to be healed. And I want to show you that two ways. I have a lot of information. Today I'm just going to show two things very quickly. First is Exodus fifteen twenty six. The Israelites had just come out of 400 years of living in Egypt. They were taken to Egypt by Joseph during a terrible famine. And then they became slaves of the Egyptians. God, through Moses, set them free from uh, bondage of being slaves in Egypt them being the children of Israel, the Israelites. They came through the Red Sea, it parted, dry land, and they were on the other side just a couple of days into a journey that would eventually take them, you know, it's about a 10 or 11 day journey, but because of unbelief, they wandered in a circle for 40 years. But God made promises to them. And here it is, here's the first one he made. Uh, Exodus 15, 26, he said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases that I sent. Now, let me stop right there. I sent that verb sent is not in the causative sense it's the permissive sense or you could literally translate this I will not make you suffer any of the diseases that I allowed on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you so right into their journey away from bondage into God's promised land for them God promised to heal now that's about two and a half million Israelites at the time God promised that he would keep all of them free from sickness and disease if they would simply obey him. Now, this is an Old Testament promise. We have a, and this was an Old Testament covenant. This was the old covenant. We live under the new covenant. Uh, And the new covenant, uh, the writer of Hebrews 8, 6 says, we have a better covenant established on better promises. That means whatever was available under the old covenant is available in the new, and it's even better. How many get it? So one thing I do want to draw your attention to in this verse is the latter part. It says, for I am the Lord who heals you. That, that phrase, the Lord who heals you. Uh, the word Lord there, uh, it was all consonants. It could not be pronounced. Jews believe that God's name is so holy that you don't even, that you don't speak it out of your mouth And so there was no way to speak consonants only. So they added some vowels to it over the years. The Jews didn't, but others did. And that, and that word became, became Jehovah. That's where we get the word Jehovah. And it means the self-existent one who reveals himself. It means the person with all power and all authority who loves you and he wants to help you. So he reveals himself. Goes a little bit deeper. He, he, he makes agreements with you, a covenant. And then that next word, for I am the, the Lord Jehovah who heals you. That word heals, the Hebrew word is Rapha. Everybody say Rapha. I've got it in the notes there. You can read it just the way I can. And that word is translated uh, to cure, to heal, is translated physician, make whole. So you could literally say, I am Jehovah Rapha, or I am the Lord who heals you, or literally, you could say, I am the Lord, your physician. Now, if God said that to the Israelites under the old covenant, do you think he's still the same today? In Malachi 3, 6, I'm the Lord. I don't ever change. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. What God was, he always is. If he ever was Jehovah Rapha, he hasn't changed. 
And so if he was that to the Israelites, he is to us today. Or we, our covenant's not as good. And we need to go back to the old one. No, it's better. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says. So he is Jehovah Rapha today. Secondly, second thing I want to share is that healing is available today. One of the ways we know that, and I think this is really cool, you know. I just like the way Jesus thought and the way he ministered. Uh, uh, John 3 Jesus said this, he said, as Moses lift up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If you've been to church, you know, like me all my life, you know, John three sixteen, God so loved the world, gave his only Son, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But before he said that, he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted. So he equated what was about to happen to him on the cross with what happened to the Israelites in the Old Testament and what no Moses did with a snake that he put on a pole. Now, that's weird. He said, what are you talking about? Well, go back to Numbers 21. The Israelites, you know, the Israelites had a problem with bad-mouthing. They had a problem, had a whiny problem. You ever been around a whiny mouth? Somebody just whine, just looking for an opportunity to whine. You get in the break room, get to go to lunch. Got a family member, anything, anything going on? Well, they did that all the time. So they were upset with Moses, and if things didn't go just right, if they didn't have the right kind of lunch or breakfast or dinner, they would bellyache about it and whine. And you know, uh, it, it brought problems. It brought judgment. And uh, so I'm going to jump right into it. And, and the judgment was poisonous snakes came. How many know if you disobey God, you, you get on turf that you don't belong on. And sometimes you open up the door for the enemy to attack you. And that's what they did. And so from what I just said, you mean to say every time I, I sin, I'm opening up my door, a door to the enemy? Uh, potentially, yes. Well, when does the enemy attack? Two times. When you're doing right and when you're doing wrong. He just attacks all the time. So, so don't take somebody being attacked. There must be something wrong with him. No, no, they're just living on a, in a fallen world. How many understand that? And so uh, nonetheless, the Israelites here, they, they did it all wrong. These, these uh, poisonous snakes came. They were biting people and they were dying from the poison from the snake bite. And so verse 7 of Numbers 21, Then the people came to Moses, cried out, We've sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So pray, Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake, attach it to a pole. Uh, and all who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. Now, that's strange that God would make a bronze snake, talk, tell Moses to make a bronze snake, stick it on top of a pole, hold it up real high, so everybody bitten by a snake will live. And so that's what he did. Anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Now, now and, so, and so here's the deal. So, so you got all these Israelites, hey, where's the snake? Where's the pole? Hey, I need to look at it. They got bit by a snake. And, and, and as long as they looked at the pole, the serpent on the pole, they lived. That's really strange, isn't it? See, Old Testament things happened as a type and a shadow of the good things that are were to come in the New Testament. And, and they show us what belongs many times to us in Christ. So Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so I will be lifted up. What was he saying? When I'm lifted up on the cross, 
That's synonymous with Moses lifting up that bronze serpent on the pole. Everybody looked at that bronze serpent was ministered to. Every, that, every person that looked at the bronze serpent was healed. And you can receive salvation and healing. Now let me say something about Jesus. So when Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross always has provided Two things for us, forgiveness of sin and also healing of physical malady and disease. We know that from the references I just gave. There's so many more. But then also in Matthew chapter 9, here were, uh, here were four guys who had a friend who, uh, who was paralyzed and he couldn't walk. And he was on a bed, a bed and there was a big crowd in a small house. It's a thatched roofed house. They took the thatch off and lowered the guy down in the bed on, on, uh, on some ropes and stuff. And, and laid him right in front of Jesus. And Jesus uh, just simply said to the man, your sins are forgiven you, rise up and walk. And, and they got upset with him. Who can forgive sin? And Jesus said, what's easier to say? Uh, your sins be forgiven or arise and walk. But so you'll know that I have power on earth to forgive sin. He said to this paralyzed guy, get up and walk. Rise up and walk. Be healed. Why did Jesus do that? He wanted us to know. You can go read that in Matthew 9, first few verses, eight or nine verses. Uh, he wanted us to know the same sacrifice that forgives our sin. And the same faith that brings salvation to our lives is the same faith that can bring healing to our physical bodies. Isn't that good? And so go back to Numbers 21. Here's Moses with a bronze serpent stuck on a pole. Here's the Old Testament guy. Here's the, here's the Israelites. I mean, they're, you know, you're getting bit by a snake. And, and, and the guy said, well, look at, look, look at the serpent. Look at the serpent. And I want you to notice Amplified Bible of, um, of verse 9 of Numbers 21. It says, and Moses made a serpent of bronze, put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, uh, when he looked at the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. So here's what the Israelites had to do. When they got bit by the poison of the serpent, you know, uh, they said, uh, they said well, well, look at the bronze snake. Moses is holding it up. And they had to keep looking. And they couldn't listen to the distractions. Here's somebody screaming. They just got bit. Here's somebody, a naysayer, saying, ain't going to work. Ain't nothing going to happen to you. You're going to die of, of, of snake bite. That poison's all over you. Sepsis is entering in. And they just ignored it all with a steady, absorbing gaze. You know, if you look at all the people around you, you're going to mess up. But if you look to Jesus, you're going to be all right. You get that? So, so again, it's a clear analogy that healing is for us today. That's the first thing I want you to know. Second thing, number two, be careful as to what you listen to and how long you listen to it. How many hear me? Huh? So here today, I mean, every time you turn anything on or listen to anything or read any news stuff, it's all about uh, COVID-19, coronavirus. How many know that? And, you know, there's some truth to some things some people are saying, but I think it's being misconstrued in a huge way, blown all out of proportion. And, yes, there's some people that are, are really being challenged by this, but the fear base is crazy right now. And, again, come back to this. What are you listening most to? Here's what Jesus said, Mark 4, 24. Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with what measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, I'm going to stop right there. Consider carefully what you hear. So I want to ask me and you, what are you hearing the most of? If all you do is listen 
to the internet and look at all the news sites and read all the articles or listen to the news, whatever form you listen to it. And it's on 24-7 nowadays. When I was young, you just got it once or twice a day. Now you got it all day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you got all kind of voice, voices barking the same stuff. Is it true? So it's impossible to live today in our culture and not be inundated with negativity, particularly about this virus. And, and yes, you ought to wash your hands. And yes, blow your nose, wash your hands. And if you want to, you know, pump elbows or pump feet, I don't care. But just believe God. But again, the most important thing is don't just feed on negative things. Put something positive into you. If you listen to more of the news about the coronavirus from all the sources than you do listen to the word, then you'll have more faith in sickness than you do in healing. How many understand that? And that really does produce a fear-based response. So what's the answer? For me, and I've done this, I came to the Lord just before I was 18. And you know, I was a nuthead before I came to Jesus. I was in drugs and all kind of mess. And, and my head was just a mess. So, you know, I learned real quickly, I've got to do something about fear in my life. And the antidote I found to fear was the word. The Word of God. So I, I just started reading the Word, saying it out loud, reading, 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 reading. And I do that to this day. I make sure I ingest more of God's Word than I do anything else every day. You need to have a quiet time. Don't just read your 365-day Bible and let that be that. Get Scripture that help you, help build your faith. Scripture that promise that God answers prayer that God heals your physical body and think about them read them out loud that's what I do every single day I mean I was croaking like a frog last week if y'all were here I mean the devil attacked my body I wasn't in sin he just attacked me I'm living in a fallen world so I'm up here trying to talk and I can't hardly talk because my larynx is inflamed so I'm croaking it out and I'm believing God with everything in me but you know what I'm doing when you don't see me I'm saying out loud what God says about me and I'm saying some things that I'm going to talk about today. How many know you need to dispel the fear? And you can't do that if all you do is listen to the news. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God doesn't drop faith out of heaven immediately into the human heart uh, uh, without his word being placed inside of us. That's why read scripture. Now, I'm gonna do, I, I've done some homework for you today. On the way out, I give you this paper. It's also at the bottom of my notes online, and they'll be there forever. And I've just got scripture on healing. I've got scriptures on faith for answered prayer and just faith in the integrity of what God has said and promised. And they're just, all you have to do is read them out loud. How many know that's an antidote to all the mess you hear? So what are you hearing? Take heed what you're hearing. Number three, take time to build your faith up in God's Word. It's like taking medicine. Uh, this week on my Facebook page, I, I was reading one morning and I came across Passion Translation of Proverbs 4, my personal time of the Lord. And I love this translation. It was a translation done by a missionary uh, who was fairly well versed in languages and such. It's just a great translation because it really puts some meat to what the word says. And here's Proverbs 4. Um, uh, listen carefully, my dear child, to everything I t teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Now, isn't that good? What's he saying? Get the word. Just don't do surface listening. 
Get, what, get the word inside of you. And for me, and here's the way I deal. I'm a real pragmatist. Whatever, I try to do what works for me. So if I've got a fear in any area of life, I find scripture that deal with that specific fear. For instance, when I was young, I had a fear that I would die early. Somebody read my palm at age 13 at a, at a, a Halloween carnival in a church, believe it or not. And they said, well, you're a lifeline short. You're going to die young. I said, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Well, and so I was afraid I was going to die early, you know. But you know what I did? I found scripture that promised me with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I mean, I got those things inside me, and, and I'm not young anymore. I don't think I'm old. You might. I don't care. But I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. I didn't die early. Is that good? And so he says, then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health to the very core of your being. See, there's healing power in God's word. Did you hear me? So, so, so if, you, if, the, if you're attacked with physical symptoms of whatever kind, the first thing to do, instead of going to Google and figuring out what is in, go to the word, y'all. Google doesn't know everything. Google only knows what people put in it. It's not God. This word's not final. Right? Go to the Word. Get the Word in you. Meditate in Scripture about healing. I mean, you go to a doctor and say, well, you know, if you take these pills right here twice a day uh, after you eat a meal, then you're going to get better in about two days, and you're going to notice a big change. All things being equal. So you'll say, well, I better do that, and you'll pop those little pills. Well, do the same thing with the Word. That's what he said. They, then as you unwrap my words, they'll impart true life, radiant health to the very core of your being. Verse 23, I love it. So above all, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. Pay attention. I love this. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being for from there flow the wellsprings of life. See, everything God does, it starts inside. Healing starts on the inside. It doesn't come from the outside. It starts inside. The Holy Spirit's on the inside. Faith activates the Holy Spirit on the inside. And the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead quickens us from the inside out. So you put faith inside, and healing comes from the inside and affects the outside. You never healed on the outside till you get it first inside. Do you get it? So, so meditate, take some time to meditate scripture. Number four, it takes faith, everybody say faith, to receive healing from God. So Jesus, uh, I just think Jesus is really cool. I, you know, some people think Jesus was this guy dressed in this long white robe, long hair, beard. He was walking around like looking at people, you know, sometimes giving the stink eye. And just, you know, I think he just had a lot of fun. And so, you know, here he is, he's, in Jerusalem, Bethany going back and forth and the disciples are with him and it's just a really beautiful place there. And, uh, and Jesus came, here it is, Mark 11. He was, now, he, he wanted to demonstrate what faith was to him. So he made a, gave a real practical lesson. Mark 11, verse 11, Jesus came to Jerusalem, went into the temple, looking around carefully at everything. He left because it was late in the afternoon. So uh, he, was, he was upset with what he saw. The scripture didn't say it, but, you know, they had, uh, they, they had uh, t- uh, people there that were selling, selling animals for sacrifice and, and they were charging much more than they should. And, and people were uh, using the temple as a way to make money. He got pretty upset. He didn't say anything, but he, it was late in the afternoon. He left. They returned to Bethany. 
He returned there with the 12 disciples just a little short distance from Jerusalem. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. They were coming back to Jerusalem. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to it to see if he could find any figs. But they were on leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And his disciples heard it. Now, you, can you imagine being one of the 12 disciples and, um, and they're walking along and Jesus says, y'all, I'm hungry. Or if you're from South Carolina, he said, I'm hungry. And so he's looking at us, there's a fig tree, let's go over there and get some fruit. So he went over there and there's no fruit on it. And so Jesus, he's says, 12 disciples with him, no fruit, no man eat fruit from you forever. And they're looking at him like he's a nuthead. Because he's talking to an inanimate object that can't talk back. That's something wrong. And, and they, they're probably scratching their head. That's, that's, that's kind of weird. And so when they arrived back in Jerusalem, it continues. He entered the temple and that's where he turned over the tables of the money changers and opened up the dove th- things that held the doves and let them out and let the animals go and stuff. And, and he said, you've made my, my father's house a house of merchandise instead of a house of prayer. And he got upset. But in verse 19, that evening, after Jesus cleansed the temple, uh, Jesus and the disciples left the city and went back home. Then the next morning... As they passed by the fig tree, he had cursed. The disciples noticed it had withered from the roots. Peter remembered what Jesus said to the tree on the previous day. And he exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Now, now Jesus, now why did he do this? He gave them here an illustration of faith by speaking to a tree and believing that what he said would happen. And so they said, you know, Peter, others, they said, well, Jesus, they came by the tree. It's like, hey, stop, y'all, look. And the tree that he cursed, the leaves had shriveled up. You know what it's like when the roots are severed, whatever. Well, something happened from the roots of that tree. It started shriveling up. A couple of days went by. And, uh, man, there's a problem with the tree. And, and, and they said, Jesus, what about it? And he said, have faith in God. See, he gave them a natural illustration uh, a lesson of a spiritual point, and that is how to exercise faith in God. So he spoke some words and believed what he said, and it happened. The tree died. And so he said on to the disciples here in verse 23, verse 22, he says, have faith in God, or literally, the Greek rendering is have the faith of God or have the same kind of faith that God exercises, or literally, do what I did when I spoke to that tree. And if you do that in the circumstances of life, uh, you'll be helped. So he said, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Now notice in this verse, now it doesn't show up on the screen, but in my notes... I think it will show up online in my notes. I have bolded and underlined the word believes and the words say and says. So question mark in that verse that's right behind me on the wall there. How many times is the word believes in verse 23? It's not a trick question. Numero uno. One time. How many times is the word say or says in that verse? 
good. You, yeah, that's right. Three times. So, so you could ascertain from that verse, listen, it's three times as important to watch what you say as what you believe. So when you're going through a problem, the crisis time is on, or you, everything's wonderful. Be careful with the words that you use. Words contain faith. That's what Jesus was illustrating to the disciples. He spoke to the tree and it withered. And he said, if you say to whatever mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea and don't doubt, but believe what you say will happen, it'll be, you'll have what you say. He was trying to illustrate, this is how you overcome the problems that life brings. Say some. How many know words are powerful? Now, I need to make some comments here, and I'm going to come right back to it, but I want to go back, I'm going to come back up to this, but I want to mention number five, my point number five, words produce life or death. How many know that? Words register on the heart, and they carry our faith towards God. So, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 18, 21, message, paraphrase, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. I like that. Then verse 21, a passion translation. Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. So see, we have to ask ourselves, what, what are we doing with words? How many know words are really powerful? Now, you know, in our day, where there's so much media and there's so much, um, there, there's so much verbiage in the airwaves that we're all... Uh, 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 that's available to all of us at all times. And, 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 and honestly, let me, let me just tell you what happens. Uh, politicians and governments use words. And you know what I found out? People will say things that are absolutely not true. And if you listen to them, over and 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 over you tired yet over and over and over and guess what you start believing you ever heard the adage so and so said something so much they believe it you know what governments do crooked governments you know what they do they say things that aren't true go read history so much that the populace eventually believes it. Is that true? Now, here's what I found out about me. And, and, and that's how they control certain things. See, the enemy does the same thing. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never do that. Your marriage is not going to work out. Nobody likes you. Won't you crawl in a hole and just be by yourself all day because nobody likes you. Nobody likes you. What's wrong with you? There's everybody else and then there's, there's you. Ain't nobody loves you. Your mama don't even like you. She says she does, but watch her the next time you see her. You know I mean, it's just crazy stuff. All of us deal with the same. Is that true? Words. Words. The enemy speaks words to your head, and he wants you to believe the words you hear. You've got to find a way to counteract words. I learned this as a young man. Y'all, when I first came to Jesus, I was a puddle of mess. I mean, I, I was so uh, just messed up. I, I hung around the wrong crowd. That drug crowd's a bad crowd. They're manipulatory, they're conniving, uh, they're after money, they don't care if it hurts you. And I was around that, and oh my goodness, it, it almost messed me up as a kid. So when I came to Jesus, I had all these thoughts about life and about me. I didn't feel like I could be loved. I didn't feel like anybody cared. I, didn't even, I know the Bible said God loved me, Jesus loved me, but you know, I didn't think he loved me. 
And you know what I had to do? Here's what I found out. I found out the power in words. And, and thoughts would come. Uh, yeah, the Bible says God forgives, but he ain't forgiving you. I said, whoa, 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 wait, just where that come from? And I found out the enemy was using my past and, and, and using my thoughts against me. And that's what he does to you. Most people, he doesn't have to work hard to defeat. Just stick a few thoughts, just stick a few feelings on you. And you'll believe the thoughts and feelings and start voicing, ain't nobody like me. Ain't nobody at that church like me. Ain't nobody in my family. I'm not going to Christmas stuff. Ain't nobody in that family hardly even talk to me. They just do because they have to. Right? Or whatever. For me, for me, for me, it was, you're not worth a thing. I, you know, the Bible says God forgives, but not you. So I started taking my words. I got two three-by-five index cards. I've said this so many times. Front and back, I just filled them up with Scripture quotations. And I started saying out loud, the Bible wasn't real to me. God wasn't real to me. Problems were real to me. Lack of care was real to me. You know, challenges were real to me defeatist mentality was real to me. But I'm not kidding. Nobody told me to do this, but I said, I got to do this if I'm going to survive life. And y'all, it changed who I am. I'm not who I was. People that knew me as a teenager in high school, they don't even, they don't even know Mitch Horton. Because Mitch Horton then isn't the Mitch Horton now. What made the change? It's not because I'm anybody special. I'm nothing special except I'm created in the image of God, just like you. What's the difference? I took the word. I'm not kidding. I get in a room somewhere and I just walk back and forth. Or I go for a walk and I just take those old cards out. Father, I want to thank you today. Walk back and forth. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things in my life are passed away. Old things are, all things are become new. I'm not, and I would say, I'm not the person I used to be. I don't have the same interests. I don't have the same desires. God has changed me on the inside and I'm slowly changing on the outside. My habits are changing. My interests are changing. Who I am is changing because I'm new. I'm a new creature. And out here, no, you're not. You got you're a, you're an apple with the worm in the core. I say, shut up. I'm a new creature. And, and then I go to the next scripture. There is now no, therefore now no, a judging guilty them who are in Christ Jesus. And then I would read, for he who knew no sin was made to be my sin, that I might be made right with God through him. And then I would read, I even I am he who blots out your transgression for mine own sake and will not remember your sin. And I would say out loud, God Almighty has forgiven me. It is just as though I never have in the past. I, there is no condemnation. God loves me as much as he loves his own son. And I go on and on and on. And y'all, it wasn't real to start with. I'd have voices say that's not true, real. But you know what happened? I kept saying it. 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 For whoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. It doesn't doubt, but believes what he says will happen. He'll have what he says. I kept saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. And now today, I'm loved by my father. I'm cared for by him. See the difference? So you might be where I was. Well, you know, you want to get to where I am now, do what I did. Say out loud what God says about you. How many get it? So the same principle applies for God's healing power. I can't even find my notes now. They have just seemed to have disappeared. Oh, there they are. So um, let me give you a, a real simple illustration of uh, how this works, if I can get to the right set of notes. There they are right there. There we go. So I'll give you a simple illustration of how this works. Again, Jesus said, if you say and don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you say will happen, you'll have what you say. Now, here's the key. You, if you say you're believing God, 
You say, well, I'm walking by faith. What are you saying? Listen to this. If you're saying nothing, you're believing nothing. You hear what I said? If you never say Jesus is my Lord, do you really believe? Really? Ain't nobody know it but you. You never say anything about him. Faith has to come out of your mouth with words. Neutral faith, that is, faith not expressed with words. It's the same thing as unbelief. You hear what I'm saying? You, you, you got to say what you believe. And it's important to say what you believe. And, and the adage, that person said that so much they believe it. Let me tell you what I've done with my life. A, a lot of areas of life, I didn't believe what God said was true about me to start with. And my mind would refute what God said. That is, that God loved me, that God forgave me, that he accepts me, that he's kind to me, that he wants to. I didn't believe that to start with. But I just said what God's word said about me. When I first started saying it, it wasn't real. But eventually, eventually... I started believing it was true. And now I really do. Same thing with healing. I was so seeped in. Everybody's sick. Everybody's going to get sick. Everybody goes through the same stuff. You live on planet earth, you're going to get sick. And you might die early if you're sick. And I just had a sickness mentality. But when I got in the word and found out at the same time Jesus took my sins, he also took my sicknesses on his own body on the tree that I being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed then it finally started registering on me and all my life. I've been, I've been walking with Jesus 43 years, five months. And most of that time, this is the way I live my life. When the enemy attacks my body, he'll, he'll put a thought in your mind and a feeling in your body and try to get you to believe it. The first thing you should do when symptoms come on your body is say what God says about you. Command, command the thing to go in Jesus' name. Speak to the mountain and then believe that God has answered your request. Jesus said, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it, you'll have it, right? So let me give you one illustration and we'll go home. So this one is May. I don't know why I thought about this one, but it's been a long time ago. May of 2005. Um, I had two things hit me. I had a problem with my knee. At the same time, a problem with my back. And uh, so I, I've, I've jogged ever since I was like 22 years old. Now I ride bikes for exercise, bicycles, long distance. So uh, anyway, um, but I, I messed up my meniscus in one of my knees. And if you've ever done that, that hurts like a dagger. It just hurts. Oh, my gosh. It just hurt. And my left knee, and it was just excruciating pain. To the point I could hardly, it was just, my knee would swell like hardly being my knee, you know. So, uh, uh, just, you know, I prayed. And then at the same time, when I was 16 years old, I worked in a grocery store. And, um, and uh, I, we were, uh, at the time, uh, things aren't the way they were today. And you, uh, we unloaded four 45-foot trucks of, of items for a grocery store on rollers, uh, down off the truck and, and then at the end of the roller you got somebody there you got somebody there picking the stuff up off the roller and throwing it to somebody else we threw I'm not kidding some of these bags of rice would weigh 60 pounds plus and then some of these big boxes with, with, uh, with cans and such and we just throw and chuck well I was chucking them and receiving them one day and man I, L4 and L5 you know what that is <laughs> well they went out <laughs> and they said hey we're not working right and I could hardly press the brake in my car when I was a little boy 16, 17, and then, and then it come back after I came to the Lord, age 18. 
And so all my life I've had to deal with that. And I'm doing fine now. But I've had to believe God on a number of occasions because I, I hurt my back back when I was a little boy. So here it is, 2005, May 2005. The same time I hurt my knee, I don't know what I was doing, but it was a bad deal. Uh, I mean, I could hardly move it. And then my back was the same way. I mean, the L4 and L5 just gave me a fit and the sciatic nerve swole up. And oh boy, I, oh, I just fell all the way down my leg. But I did a Mark eleven twenty three thing. I said, well, Father, uh, you know, I ask you to heal my back. Now, I don't know what I did to upset this thing and stir up this nerve again, but I, whatever I did, forgive me. Now, I'm asking you to heal me in the name of Jesus. Let your healing power go into my back and heal. Heal me of this thing in Jesus' name. And then I laid my hands on my knee and said, Father, whatever I did to my knee, I, I ask you to heal my knee in the name of Jesus. And right now, I believe. Because Jesus said, Whatever you desire when you pray, got it? Believe you receive it and you'll have it. So I said, Father, I believe I receive healing for my knee and I believe I receive healing for my back. Now let me explain this. Everybody okay? So let me explain this. Jesus said, whatever. So you speak to the mountain, speak to the problem, command it to go, ask God to heal you for healing, for instance. And, and then do Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever you desire when you pray, Jesus said, Believe you receive. This is literally the Greek. It leaves the them out. Believe you receive and you will have. So here's the inference. There's a time period. Believe you receive. Pause. You will have. He didn't say believe you have it. I hear people say this. Well, I believe I believe I have it. That's not what Jesus told you to do. He said believe you receive it. It what? The answer to prayer. The moment you pray. And there's a time span between the time you begin to believe and the time the manifestation of the answer comes. Our responsibility is to believe we have it while it feels like and looks like we don't. Get it? God's job is, once you do that, you'll have it. That is, manifest the answer. Bring the healing. So for me, May of 2004, I needed an answer for my knee and my back. So my job was not to get it, but to believe I receive it. And that means I've got to weather the storm of pain. I've got to weather the storm of duress created by the pain. You get it? So I've got to figure out how to navigate life while I don't have it, but I believe I receive it. So when you believe you receive it, it's like every day when you get up, it's like, well, today's going to be the day. Today's going to be the day. Today's going to be the day God answers prayer. And, and he, I have it. I believe I have it. I believe I receive it. His job is to have it. So every day, no kidding. So May, I went through all of May, 31 days of May. All of June, almost all of June, not quite all of June. And, uh, and, and every day I get up and say, Father, I believe I receive healing for my knee. I believe I receive healing for my back. And seriously, so I'm having to deal with circumstances and pain. So here's, I tried to get up and the only way I could get out of bed, I'm laying, you know. So I kind of, kind of scoot up over on my side and then I push with my right arm and kind of sit up finally in the bed while my back's going, Hey, I'm here. Remember me? And, and, and so, oh, and kind of sit up, you know, oh, wow. And, and then it's okay, I'm going I'm to get on the floor now. I, I got to get up. I got to go to the bathroom. I just got up. So, so I'm going to, uh, let's see. Uh, let's put the right foot. Let's put the right foot down. Then let's, so you put the right foot. So I put the right foot on the floor. Uh, uh, and, then, and then this knee, you know, 
uh, bended. Oh, it just hurt to bend that meniscus saying, I'm here, remember me? I'm inflamed. And so every day I did the same thing. Preaching was a challenge. You know, I'm walking kind of like, you know, it's just weird. I mean, all once. Everybody knew something was up with Pastor Mitch, but I struggle through it every day. But every day I got up thinking, today's the day. Because my job is to believe I receive it. God's job is I will have it. No kidding, I've had this happen, y'all, so many times. This is the test of faith. It's waiting the time period, the wait period, between the time you believe you receive what God promised and the time the manifestation comes. And it's what you do with your mouth during that time that determines perhaps the length and of whether or not it ever manifests. If you never say anything, you're not believing anything. So every day I would say, Father, thank you. I believe I receive my healing. Thank you. I believe I receive healing for my back. I believe I receive healing for my knee. Somebody come up and say, well, how you doing? I say, well, I believe. Look like you're walking funny. Are you doing okay? I say, well, you know, I hurt my back, but I believe I receive healing for my back. And if they didn't know the Lord, they go, that's kind of weird. Really? I say, uh-huh. uh-huh. They say, well, about your knee? I say, well, yeah. Yeah, I did something. Did. It hurts really bad. Well, well, don't you need to? I say, you know, I believe I receive. I'm believing I receive. God told me if I believe I receive, one day I'd have. So I believe I receive, but thank you. Now, you know, and, and so constantly I'm saying, Lord, thank you. I believe I receive my healing. Now, Jesus said this. Don't take this wrong, but he said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Yes or no? And some people, they're waiting to be your antagonist. They're just waiting on you to say something. Said, oh, you're crazy. You believe that? You fool, son. That ain't going to happen to you. There's some people I wouldn't say anything to because I just know full well they're not going to agree with me. They don't believe the Bible. They don't believe in Christianity. They just believe in Kesara Sarah. And I'm just, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> and then my believer friends, well, I believe I receive, you know. So, so people at work that don't understand, you know, don't try to make them understand something they never will. You get it? So find out where you can make a strong, solid confession of faith who can stand with you. Does that make sense? Bottom line was I got up one morning. I'll end this. I'm done. Uh, Right towards the end of June that year, 2005. uh, I mean, I was struggling every day with my knee and my back. And one day, you know, I just had a habit pattern. Well, I'm going to get up this way, push off on my right arm, and then, you know, put my right foot on the floor first, and then just kind of eke around, finally get around. Well, Well, I did that one morning. I got up one morning, but I'm serious. I was believing I received. And my job is to believe I receive. God's job is one day you will have. I've had this happen so many times. It's so cool. It's almost anti, it is anticlimactic when it happens. So I got up one morning and said, well, let me, let me push off, you know. So I pushed off with my right arm. But when I did, nothing hurt. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, that's good. I said, well, let me put my right foot, put my right foot down, put my left, no pain. I said, well, looky, looky, look at that. Walk to the bathroom, said, look at that. And God healed me. Now that's the way it works. Last Sunday I was croaking like a frog, but I'm believing I received healing for my larynx because whatever affected me inflamed my larynx and I could hardly talk. And then I did a stupid thing. I put a lozenge in my mouth. Bad idea. Just real bad. It didn't work. So anyway, today, am I clear? See, I was believing I received, and then the time came that I have. You get it? So you do that with everything that attacks you and with every answered prayer. And when challenges come and when fear-based things attack our culture, you'll be ready and you'll be armed.